This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Dojo Live for, I believe, this is our second show of the day, our second show of the week. My name is Kim Lantis, and I'm not broadcasting live from Hermosillo, Sonora today, but from my hometown of Billings, Montana. So it's good to kind of take a break. Joining me is my teammate, Carlos Ponce. Hey, Carlos. Pleasure to be here, Kim. Let's have her. Carlos again. is in, again, the city of Eternal Spring, Cornavaca, here in Mexico. Yes. Unfortunately, the regular host, Tulio Sergusa, could not join us today. He's feeling a bit under the weather, so get well, Tulio. <laughs> but we do have an awesome show in store for you with an awesome guest, John Estefanos. Did I say that correctly, John? That's one thing we sure chatted a lot before the show, and I forgot to ask you the correct pronunciation of your name. Oh, it's, it's great. It's great. All yeah. right, Stephanos, we're going with it. We're going with it. Okay. John, Perfect. you are the CEO of Rally Bright, and we're very glad to be talking to you today about some things that are really important today, especially as we're working from home so widespread, and that's inclusion and outperformance. But before um, we get into the topic, I would love to get to know you a, bit, a little bit more. So who is John? How did you kind of get to where you are today? What makes you tick? Sure, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful to be here and really excited to talk about um, inclusion and performance on teams. Um, so, so who am I? Um, I'm a serial entrepreneur. For some reason, I, I, I like to start startups. I love my family. I have two wonderful children and um, I like to cook barbecue. And what really, um, what I'm most passionate about at work and always have been is how to build great teams, how, how to really make work a place where people want to go and where they can activate their superpowers. Because when you have a great team, makes every day fun. Um, we spend so much time in the office or in our basements or wherever we are these days that it's absolutely critical to, to be able to enjoy what you do and enjoy the people that you work with. For sure. And I'm pretty sure right. barbecues help with that, that team building oh, yeah. as well. <laughs> of course. See, <laughs> see barbecue, is that's, that in itself can be a bit of a an interesting theme because I think that varies from where you are regionally and, and around the world. What is your definition of barbecue? What does a barbecue, a good barbecue look like for you? I, I do the old school Texas offset smoker. Like there's a science to it, right? You, you have to pick the right wood. You have to burn it the right way. You have to keep the temperature going. You have to manage your smoke, all that kind of stuff. So, and is the sauce um, yours or is that store-bought? I make my own mixes of sauces. Usually I start with a base that I buy somewhere because I, you know, 12 hours of time for that, more than yeah. enough to not have to deal with making your own sauce. So, or I just go straight up Texas style, salt, pepper, smoke, and that's all you season with. Nice, ring a bell, nice. ring a bell, Kim, ring a bell. Yes, it sounds delicious. It's lunchtime. Yeah. So here we go. Perfect. So <laughs> share a little bit more about um, your professional background and how that led to, to Rally Bright and who you are at Rally Bright. What are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. So, so my professional background is, is somewhat varied. Um, many, many years ago, I made the mistake of going to law school. Um, realized I liked computers more than, than lawyers. No offense we to my lawyer you. friends out we there. We forgive you. Most people probably <laughs> think. Um, I did graduate. I just never practiced. And this was back in 2000. And I had this brilliant idea to do a dot-com startup in the summer of 2000. So that didn't really work out so well. 
Um, but I'd always been a developer. I've, I'd always loved data. I learned the power of data when I was an undergrad in law school. I was building hospital management systems. So um, started off doing data entry, learned databases, and then really understood the power of data, how you can measure pre-treatment, at-treatment, post-treatment, how you can look at outcomes, um, and more importantly, what data can you extract? How can you look at data through different lenses? Um, productivity, billing, um, all sorts of great things. So did my first startup. It was uh, supposed to be a dot-com, turned out to be a software company and a marketing agency. Um, then I went to a larger, we sold that to a larger marketing agency and I took over as their CTO. Sanded a team of 45 developers with a 37% turnover rate. And I was like, wow, this is a lot different than the core team that I built mm -hmm. for six years with some awesome folks. Um, we fixed that. And then I went to a global agency and I kind of helped grow that from 100 to 400 people wow. um, on, on the digital side alone. And um, that was a great experience as well. And all of that was due to the power of teams. So that's kind of how I came about this team focus. Um, and in terms of Rallybrite, I wanted to get a way that I could build something around something that my core values were focused on. And that was teams as core operating units, no person is an island. We build things together in, in order to be successful. Um, two, technology, I already mentioned I'm a bit of a geek. And then three, how do you help people learn and grow? So ultimately, if you can help leaders learn and grow, they help their people learn and grow, and that creates a network of good, and those leaders become, those, those people become leaders. And next thing you know, you, you've created an amazing group of, you know, people out in the world making work better for everybody. So that's, that's great. And that's a great mission and a lot of life lessons. How does Rally Bright come into play? How are you as a company? What do you do to help with that kind of team engagement and performance? Yeah, absolutely. So, so we are a team diagnostic and performance platform, which means we help you understand what's going on with your teams and how to improve performance as well as inclusion. Um, we use behavioral science behind everything that we do. So everything is validated by behavioral science. So ultimately, if we were to kind of give the one liner is we use technology to help you better understand the behaviors and the results of the people on your teams. All right. That's not a bad one liner. And I can see Carlos is popping in and out. He's having trouble. Carlos, do you think you can introduce today's show or should I just keep rolling with the punches? <laughs> I, I can, I can, well, right now I'm in, I can certainly give it a yes. try. So please go, for it. go quick. Me. Okay. Carlos, please introduce uh, the show today. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Am I in still? Okay. Yeah, you're... <laughs> you are. It just seems like there's a delay, I think. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, yeah, today we're going to be, as, as, uh, as chosen by John, our guest today, we're going to be speaking about inclusion and outperformance, the twin imperatives on of unstoppable teams. So we're going to be learning how to define and measure the key drivers of high-performing and inclusive teams. So that's the topic. The first question that I have for you, John, is why did you, why did you choose this particular topic and why did you feel it was relevant for, for today's day and age? Let's start there and we'll elaborate. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so what I can say is when we started Rallybrite, we were really focused primarily on team performance and dynamics. So how do you measure performance in a way that a leader looks at performance outside of the you know, typical business metrics, like not looking at CRMs or revenue and, and, and profitability, but how do you look at how teams perform as cohesive units and how the people on those teams work together? Um, this was something I was highly focused on throughout my career and I, I continue to focus on. And there was a way to do that. There's a way to leverage behavioral science to do that and actually quantify a lot of the softer skills 
that, that managers use. And when I experienced that with work with our founding partner, who was a customer at my first startup, um, I thought, well, this would be really cool to democratize this concept of leadership development and coaching and put it into the hands of, of managers. And when we started five years ago, it was different, right? Obviously, everything was different five years ago. Um, but what wasn't different was that people were changing the way that they were working. We had multi-generations multi -generations in the workforce. We were all dealing with constant disruption, not, not to the level that we've dealt with over the last two years. But when you think about some of those factors, I knew as a new leader, when, 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 I was, when my company was sold and I, I was hired as a CTO for, for a national marketing agency, I had no idea what to do. I actually remember Googling, what does a CTO for a marketing agency do? Right. Okay. So there's no real playbook for that. Right. Um, so, so, so that's kind of what was the driving force behind this. And then subsequently, as we were digging deeper into team performance and dynamics, we realized how important and, and, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion are to how teams perform and how people stay engaged and how they show up at work. Not only that, just from a social perspective, how do we make sure that everybody can contribute? So we started digging a little bit deeper. And just last summer, we launched an inclusion product focused on how inclusion drives better collaboration. And ultimately, the pairing of those two leads to that outperformance and that inclusive environment. So that's how I got into it. We started building, seeing great results with our customers and um, really making an impact. Our mission is to make work better for everybody. And I believe we can, we can put a small dent in the universe by doing that um, at scale. Thank Great. You. Yeah, of course. I, I can see that it would be very easy, or, or, well, not very, but let's call it easier for maybe someone who's at a managerial role, for example, or someone who's like leading teams to have an interest in this type of, of tools and platforms, right? So, you know, for It, 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 in the, at the end of the day, it all turns into great outcomes, right? For, for their managed teams, right? Or for whoever is works with them. But if I were to ask you, how do you entice the participants to actually, you know, get into it? How do you, how do you make them become interested? How, uh, that, that's going, that might have an, in a way that might have an impact and greater adoption throughout the course of the, of the time. Yeah, no, it's it, it's an absolutely great question because ultimately, at the end of the day, if you're talking about teams, you're also talking about how individuals show up on those teams and how do you right. get them to engage. So I, I like to throw out a statistic, which is, you know, um, how many people hate doing engagement surveys? Pretty much like everyone. Percentage-wise, <laughs> okay, seventy-five yeah. percent of people don't like responding to engagement surveys. Do you know why? Yes. Tell us. Because nothing is ever done with them. Or at least that's the perception. It just goes into uh -huh. a void, and that's it goes it. into a void. You, you you give all of this data, all of this feedback, and then you get the results back, and you're like, oh well, how does that apply to me and the people I work with every day? So how do we entice individuals? Really, two steps. One, self awareness. So we we've also built into um, our, our our platform the ability for people to better understand how they show up at work, whether that's through personality profiles or custom reports as to how they view inclusiveness at their, in their environment and how they can support and enhance that to actually giving democratized results of everything once it's completed so individuals can see how they show up on the team. So that's the first part, self-awareness. What can I do as an individual to better understand how I show up at work and improve my communications, my handling of conflict, and how I can create a better environment for myself and others? 
So excuse the interruption real quick, John, but when you're talking about, so I want to make sure I understand this correctly. Mm -hmm. You are not only doing the engagement survey, but you are also stepping into that void. So it's not just like, Kim, you have personality ABC and you need to get better at XYZ, but you're also able to tell me how I can improve X, Y, and Z. Exactly. So, 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 so we, we, we help drive that self-awareness for the individual. We have like a disc personality style. We have a conflict style. We have a resilience measure. We have a burnout measure, a stress measure. Those are for the individuals. The other part is actionable insights that people actually take action on. So if I respond to my team diagnostic, um, and we're, we're not necessarily an engagement survey because we go a little bit deeper, um, but if I respond to that, what are we going to do with that data? So part of our process and part of the platform is when you are responding, you're not responding about your boss. You're not responding about the company as a broader whole. You're responding about the team with the people that you work with every single day. And you know those results are going to be aggregated in a validated way with, with, with real insights coming out of it and that the team collectively is going to take action on it. In fact, we won't work with people if they're like, oh, we just want to survey the team and then we'll get the results and move on. It's like, no. If you're going to survey the team, you should share the results with the team. And we've architected everything so that way people have access to that. There is a gateway to make sure that, you know, everything's kind of clean and good um, in terms of what people are saying and all that other good stuff. So there's some fun stories there. But at the end of the day, it's if I'm going to contribute to this, we're going to take action collectively and we're going to collectively decide how we're going to move forward. So it's ownership and accountability. And what we found is when we do run these team diagnostics, we see about a 90% compliance rate within the first week. And we're usually at 100% within 10 business days. And that's because the people are contributing to something that's going to drive action, that's going to make work better for themselves and the people that they work with every single day. Wow. So my question for you comes at the company level now. I mean, presumably it's the company who actually decides to engage with Rally Bright, even if the diagnostics are performed at a team level. How much, what comes first here, the chicken or the egg? Is the company telling Rally Bright, this is our culture, this is who we want to be, these are the types of questions we should be asking, et cetera? Or does Rally Bright come in and say, company, this is what you've got? Like, how much, I guess, personalization or control does a company have when they engage with you? Yeah, or that, should they have? That, that, that's a great question. So, so when it comes to the team diagnostics, we're actually using validated measures. So these things have been out there, they've been tested, they've been validated by behavioral scientists that are way smarter than me. So, so there's a core set of diagnostics that we use on teams. And then we can add to those if the company's kind of looking to, to, to collect more data. But we're also pretty kind of, not necessarily directive, but we want to make sure we're collecting data for the right reasons. Because once again, we don't want to collect data for the, the sake of data. And we actually really do start at the team level. So it, it, it's actually, um, we, when, we, when we work with an organization, we're usually working with specific teams at specific point in time. And what the company gets is the aggregated results of all of their teams, not necessarily results about the company as a whole, um, because we're really looking and zoning in on performance and dynamics and inclusion around specific teams. So um, that's kind of where we started. Um, now with the inclusion toolkit, we, we are going much broader to, to company level. But once again, we're using validated measures to focus on inclusion and what we call the six dimensions of inclusion. So psychological safety, belonging, alignment, cooperation, fairness, and compassion. Or you can get into detail on those if you want. But the idea is those are validated ways of measuring those behaviors and scoring them and normalizing them across an organization. John, I'm curious. I'm, I'm sorry, Kim. Did I interrupt you? 
Uh, I have a question. Yeah, go for it. Okay, thank yeah. you. I, I'm um, I'm a very visual person myself, and I'm curious as to what role does gamification have in a tool like Rallybrite, in a solution like Rallybrite? Yeah, it, it, it's a good question. Um, so, so we do allow for individual teams and organizations to track their data and their performance longitudinally, and also to pulse out specific components so they can track those scores. So for example, we have, we have one instrument on our platform called the Team Promoter Score. So it's very similar to a Net Promoter Score. It's a, it's a simple question, but this is a tough one. It's how likely are you to recommend your team as a high-performing team to others, right? So it's not even about, do I like where I work? Do I like people I work with? Um, so you can pulse that out. And just so you know, the, the acronym there is TPS, because if anybody's seen the movie Office Space, we have to have a TPS report in there. So, so you have the ability to pulse, to score, and to track over time. Um, nice. There's also a, a social component where you can share your profiles with others. We do follow privacy by design. So everything that you do is yours until you choose to share it. But you can see how, how can I interact with Kim in the best possible way? Or how would I, based on my personality, interact with Carlos? And how many people am I interacting with? And all that other good stuff. So there's some fun stuff in there as well. Great, great. Yeah, maybe thank you, you thank can you, just John. do a, a simulation where we get to bust a printer to pieces as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm still working on the just, red stapler. Tap, uh, the, tap that trackpad. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So I know the focus here isn't, I think there's some echo, I apologize, isn't all about KPIs. And I love that shift. But do, you did mention one a lot earlier in the show, I think not with Rally Bright, but with the previous experience something that I found very alarming, which was a 37% turnover. (laughs) Now, I know that this is increasing, especially now in the tech world, which is increasingly competitive. Um, What do you think or what role could Rallybrite or technology like yours play um, in lowering that type of turnover? Or what kind of actions do you think companies can take? Yeah. it's actually a really serious topic because every every company we work with or talk to is dealing with the great resignation, right? Or they're dealing with burnout. Um, what I can tell you is what our data has shown us is that organizations and teams that have a strong purpose, which means you know they have a shared purpose, they have a shared vision, and people can speak to that consistently. They've actually been doing much better from a high level. And we, we measure that in a dimension called direction. Um, but essentially they're having less attrition, less turnover. Um, in the startup world, they're hitting their numbers, they're raising more money. In the enterprise software world, they're hitting their numbers, they're delivering better margins. Across the board, less attrition if we have that strong purpose and vision. In terms of turnover intent, um, we look at inclusion as the key driver to turnover intent. So what we found through our data is that um, organizations with in the top quartile where people measure themselves as included with high inclusion, their turnover intent is 10 times less likely than in organizations in the bottom three quartiles. So it goes from 2.4% to 25% turnover intent. So if you can build an inclusive environment, if you can share that strong purpose and vision, if you can, you know, follow through on the promises that a lot of companies make about building great cultures um, that are aligned in purpose, that include everybody, meaning they can contribute and they feel like they can show up as their authentic selves. So with psychological safety and with strong belonging, um, that will also yeah. drive job satisfaction. I would actually like yeah. for you to take a few minutes to pick apart. I think you said there were six elements yep. that you're utilizing to to analyze inclusion. I mean, for me, yep. and I think, and I would assume in a lot of people's mind, inclusion means 
more women and maybe, you know, um, the LGBT community or something. And like people maybe with disabilities, I think those three, those are like the big ones. And so maybe we think that, you know, we have a ramp into the office and we utilize an elevator and, you know, 20% of the team is made up of women and I'm wearing my rainbow flag. We're inclusive. Right. I think it's easy to kind of confuse that. What would you say inclusivity really means? How is that measured? Yeah, we we actually go. I mean, all of those things are great, and we actually go a little bit deeper, and we look at. Yes, of course. I am no, no means of undermining that. Yeah, I just no, 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 no. Of course, much deeper and much broader than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we look at we look at two core factors to inclusion that are behavioral based. One is psychological safety, right? Do we have psychological trust and safety on our team? Do people feel like they can? We may fly a flag, but I may not be able to show up as my authentic self in the office. So, authenticity is a core component to psychological safety. We also look at, can pe- do people feel free to speak up? Like, can I, can I talk about what's important to me and what's important to my history and what's important to my background? And at the end of the day, um, when people do all of that and things happen, do we embrace that failure? Do we embrace those struggles? And do we turn those around and make them positives? Do we have that growth mindset to continue to grow? So psychological safety is absolutely critical and that's the foundation for all inclusion. Second, we look at um, contribution and connection, which make up belonging. So I may be included, but I may still feel like an outsider. I may be able to do all of that. But when I show up at work, do I belong? Do people listen to what I have to say? Do they respect the skills I bring to the table? Um, Do I feel connected with others at work? Or am I just showing up, punching the clock, doing my job and going home? So, So by looking at psychological safety and belonging, we can really get a gauge for how inclusive an organization is because we can say we support all these things. We can hire the most diverse workforce in the world. But if we're not listening and we're not absorbing and we're not leveraging everybody's backgrounds and everybody's perspectives and everybody's cultures, then are we really inclusive? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think that comes full circle then to what you were talking about previously on the show. And that's the individual assessments, Yeah. right? Absolutely. And, and how do individuals uh, rate their environments and how can they contribute? I can very easily, I can very easily understand how a solution like Rallybrite would contribute to building a great company culture, right? From, But in, I think that at least for myself, and I, I think that Kim might agree with this, we have been witness to what a great building, what a... Uh, we have been witnesses to what building a great culture means because we've been participants of a company with a great culture. Okay. By the same token, the way I understand culture is culture to me is everything that everybody does all the time through time. Okay. So that's, that's my understanding of culture. How would you say that um, all the info that is obtained through Rallybrite across the board and organizations and can contribute to actually action items. You know, can you give us an example of action items that people or companies can use to build a great culture? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think first and foremost, when you talk about culture, it's also really important to talk about values because it sounds mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. within your organization, you have very strong values and those values help drive that culture. And yes. there are behaviors generally associated with those values. So 
Similar to how behaviors are associated with values, we look at how behaviors are associated with some of the things we just talked about. So just kind of giving a, a, a perfectly kind of timely example, we just that we were talking ahead about, we had just run our, we, we just recently ran our first kind of company retreat offsite. And we went through our rally break results because of course we had to, right? Um, I was gonna ask you. Yes, of course, <laughs> of course. Um, and um, one of the things that surfaced around the culture and around inclusion was, are we providing constructive, candid feedback in real time to one another? And one of the things that surfaced is, because what we do is we take all those behaviors and we rank them and say, these are the behaviors you're really good at. These are the behaviors that are areas of opportunity. So, so we had a really great discussion um, focusing on how do we provide better feedback, respectful, candid feedback to one another in real time so we can move past whatever potential issues we may have, but also leverage and double down on the strengths that we have. So that's just one really small example of one behavior that you can take action on immediately. And there are about 42 others in the uh, inclusion toolkit and about 45 others in the, 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 the performance toolkit. Right. And even just specific training on how to provide feedback, right? And yep. negative feedback and what that might even look like varying across cultures and not cult company culture. I mean, like actual cultures, right? Absolutely. From an American to someone from Great, you know, Great Britain to someone from Kenya. That's going to vary greatly. Um, very cool. So I was going to ask you um, if you apply Rally Bright at Rally Bright, and you already mm -hmm. answered that question. Um, but okay. how else would you, as you know, we're coming to the final few minutes of our show, and we always like to kind of end learning from other tech company cultures. So what would you describe your own company culture as? And what are you doing to kind of, in addition to using your own product, right? Foster, foster that yeah. culture. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say this is the best team I've ever worked on. And I think it's because we're all respectful of one another. We're all open to one another. Um, we're all kind. We try to be kind and nice. Sometimes we're too nice. Um, and that, that affects velocity, which is, you know, if you, if you listen to anybody on my team, John, no, he's the velocity guy. Um, but I think that's my job, so it's okay. Um, totally. So in terms of that, you know, we, we, we try to always have time for one another. I think that's really important to talk about work or anything else. Um, we're a remote first company, so it's really important to, to turn these screens into real tools for us to get to know and spend time with one another as people, um, not just as colleagues. So I think that's a big thing. And then we have fun together. I mean, we have a Happy Things channel on Slack where we share pictures of our pets or our families or great landscapes or areas that we visited. Um, th those are some of the, the, the shorter things. But, but I think at the end of the day, how, how are we building the culture? We're, we're, we're obviously practicing what we're preaching. Um, and I find myself, you know, candidly, one of my biggest struggles in doing this was how do you constantly maintain a growth mindset? How do you work with different people of different personalities? And while you might not agree with them, experiment with them, learn from their perspectives with an open mind and grow from the results, good or bad. Um, and I think that's part of the culture that we've built in is, yeah, everybody has a voice. Everybody can show up as themselves. And as we learn together and grow together and fail together and learn from those failures, how do we just constantly get better? And that's, I think, part of our ethos. Yeah, I really love that. I think I, what I'm hearing is the ability to say, I'm sorry, I screwed up. <laughs> and then try not to do that same screw up again. Right? Yeah. Well, and, and try new things and be okay with it when they don't work out, right? Because if we're inclusive, everybody has authority and agency to try new things and we try it together.
Perfect. Thank you. Absolutely. So, John, it's been great to have you on the show today. Uh, and uh, before we wrap up, of course, uh, this is a couple of quick announcements. Please stay with us as we go off the air. And uh, I think that, oh, we didn't agree on who was going to announce what, right, Kim? But I'll take you it. Go for it. You're taking it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Kim. I'm just, you know, ah, getting un unrusty. Okay. I, I will so, be inclusive. <laughs> yeah, please, please, Kim. So, okay, next, this week, we still have two shows, two more shows coming next, this week. Tomorrow, we're going to be speaking with Richard Bronson with an O, not with an A, Bronson, the founder and CEO of 70 Million Jobs. That's the name of the company. The topic is looking for talent in unexpected places. And then on Thursday, we're going to be speaking with Girish Redekar, or Redekar, the co-founder and CEO of Sprinto. The topic, making your SaaS enterprise ready. That's what we have for this the remainder of the uh, remainder of the week. So, with that being said, the only thing left for me to do, John, is thank you big time for having been with us on the show today, and of course, thank you, Kim. And it's great to be to be back. I'll be temporarily, but. Let's see. Let's see where this takes us. Kim, thank you. And John, thanks <laughs> thank again. You, thank, thank you, Carlos. Thank you. Thank you. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.